the moment you believe in Christ, everything changes. Today on Daily in the Word, Dr. Paul Chappell explains what it means to be a new creation. Every believer this morning should determine in our hearts that I'm going to do the will of God as it's revealed to me by His Word. I'm not here to do a survey and pick what I might want to obey, but when God speaks to my heart, then I'm going to obey His Word. Whether I'm at church or whether I'm at work, I'm going to be consistently obedient to my Lord. When you trust Jesus Christ to be your Savior, He not only gives you a new eternal destination, He gives you a completely new life. In our series, New Life, we will discover the scriptural truths that teach us what it means to be a new creation. Welcome to Daily in the Word. This program features the teaching and preaching of Dr. Paul Chapel, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. Christians at every stage of spiritual growth need to experience the abundant, victorious new life in Christ that God intends them to live on a daily basis. And now, here's Pastor Paul Chapel with part two of a message called The Testimony of the New Life. The fact is that the Christian life is a spiritual discipline. It's a life of spiritual discipline. It's an exercise. It's a working out. And we are in an age today when grown men and women will spend money on health club memberships and they'll spend time to get up early and go take care of their health because they don't uh, want to have any health problems. And that's fine and wonderful. And many folks have various hobbies to stay in shape and various different things. And I'm not putting any of those things down. But I am saying this morning that if as a Christian we're emphasizing all of those things but neglecting the spiritual discipline, then we're missing the main thing. God says, I want you to work out your own salvation. I want you to come to my word, to come to prayer. James 2, 17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. I have often seen a correlation. I've seen over the years men and women that just get whole hog into their particular sport or exercise. Pretty soon they're less and less in the spiritual disciplines. Less and less in church attendance. Less and less in prayer. Less and less is the adult Bible class. Why? Because there's a more and more emphasis on the physical. I'm not preaching against the physical, but ladies and gentlemen, let us keep in balance that we must work out spiritually as well. God has called us to be a people of inner resolve. We're to work out our own salvation. Notice this verse number 12, with fear and trembling. This means striving with the humility of heart, striving before a holy God, recognizing that we're going to stand before Him someday. And that is much more serious than standing on a scales. It is much more important that we live our life with the idea of seeing Him. So there, there is a believer's inner resolve that is mentioned, and the work of the believer begins with this inner resolve to work out our own salvation. How's your spiritual resolve today? How is your resolve as you approach the new year, as you think about your devotional life, your walk with God? But notice secondly, God's inner renewal. God's inner renewal. Look at verse 13, it says, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. 
Now, I'm thankful that when it comes to spiritual exercise, I have a coach. And if I can use it that way, my coach is the Lord himself. He's my guide. He's my captain. He's the one that helps me say, well, why do you refer to it in this way? Notice verse 13 again. It is God which worketh in you both, notice this, to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, I'm going to tell you what, when it comes to a matter of exercise physically, it sure helps to have a good coach who's helping you along and motivating you and uh, giving you reason, maybe a goal at the end. But God says, I'm going to give you that will. I'm going to give you that desire. Now, I want you to know that your desire to come to church this morning was from the Lord himself. Your desire to learn from the Bible is from the Lord himself. Your desire to do what is right does not come from your fleshly nature. It's from the Lord himself. It is the Lord that worketh in you. So we see this, this phrase in verse 13, for, meaning because of this matter of our salvation, it is the Lord that worketh in us. And notice the enablement of God. It says, worketh in you. It means to operate mightily. God's power is absolutely necessary. It is required if our lives will accomplish anything of lasting value. If we will accomplish anything of lasting value, we must have God's power working in and working through us. This is one of the very basic truths of the Christian life. John 15, 4, it's in your notes. Look at what it says. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. So here we see without the Lord, we can do nothing. This is why the Bible says it is God that worketh in us both to will and to do his good pleasure. So God is going to give you the motivation or the encouragement. He's going to give you the will, and then he's going to do the work before you. God is going to encourage you to witness, and then God is going to help you in that witness. It is, it is a joy, and it is a thrill. The Lord's going to encourage you to witness to someone. Then he's going to help you with the words to say. He's going to encourage you to be the leader in your home, gentlemen, and he's going to help you with the grace to lead. He's going to encourage you uh, with the fruit of the Spirit and then enable you with the fruit of the Spirit. And so we see here the enablement of God. It is God that worketh in us. And then notice, secondly, the encouragement of God. He gives us the desire and then he gives us the ability. Isn't that a blessing? God gives us the desire, and then he gives us the ability. And notice what it's all about in verse 13. It says, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do, notice this, of his good pleasure. Would you say that, please? Of his Now, let me ask you guys a question. I want you to be honest with me. How many of you did something in the last three days that was for your good pleasure? Be honest with me. Okay. All right. Thank you for being honest. And now, it may have been cranberry sauce. It may have been a piece of turkey or ham. I don't know what it was. But you said, you know what? I'm going to enjoy this. By the way, God made these things that we might enjoy them, and that's, that's fine in measure. But did you know the purpose of life is not my pleasure or your pleasure? The purpose of life is His pleasure. So God says, I'm going to give you the will to do what is right. I'm going to give you the power to do what you need to do. And it's all for my good pleasure. 
It's all for my honor and for my glory. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We are created for his good works. So we see the work within the believer. God says, I want to work through your life. But notice, secondly, the witness of the believer. The witness of the believer. Now notice here in verse number 14, the Bible says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. First, we're talking about God working in us and through us. Now we're going to begin to see the testimony of that work. If God is putting the desire in your heart, and if God is working through your life, then notice the shifting of gears when it says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. So it only makes sense, if God is working in me, God will work through me, right? God's working in me, God will now work through me. So how do we see God working through us? Well, first of all, the indication of Scripture is that when God is working through us, my vocabulary is going to be different. I'm going to have helpful words. I'm going to have words that are helpful. And you know, it's an amazing thing when you study certain revivals, and in particular, the Welsh revival. Men and women who were saved during the Welsh Revival who had animals, donkeys and horses, literally had to train those horses with a new vocabulary because they had used so much cursing in driving their animals before the revival, but after their revival, their vocabulary completely changed. Now look at this verse, do all things without murmurings and disputings. I want you to see God has called us, first of all, to do all things, everything that we do without negative words, without murmurings, meaning, of course, debatings, without disputings, speaking about deliberation. And, and, and think about the world in which we live today. Just think about it for a moment. We live in a world full of murmuring and disputing. We live in a world where people are constantly marching, constantly sitting in, constantly rioting, constantly on the internet, arguing with one another. We have Christians that argue with one another. We have employees that argue with their employer. It, it is a tremendous problem in the world today. How many of you believe that if Christians would simply live without murmurings and disputings, a testimony of Christ's presence in our life would be known? And this is what God says. If God is working in you, then it's going to start to show forth outwardly. It's going to manifest itself. And, and there's an indicative problem here with marriages that are not allowing the Lord to work in them. Oftentimes, murmurings and disputings are the result. And oftentimes, we see this problem. The Bible is clear in Matthew 15, 19. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. Many times because God is not at work in the heart, then things are said that should not be said outwardly. Mark Twain once said, don't complain and talk about all your problems. 80% of people don't care and the other 20% will think you deserve them, right? But the fact of the matter is people talk and talk and murmur and dispute. And God says when someone is truly saved, when God is working in their heart, there will be helpful words. And then secondly, there will be an honest testimony. Now look at verse 15. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Now notice the testimony of the believer. First of all, there's going to be a clean life, a clean life. 
Remember, if God is working in me, then I'm going to have something different showing outwardly. My words toward my parents will be different. My words toward my family and co-workers will be different. And also, my testimony will be blameless. Now, did you see that word? That ye may be blameless. This, this does not speak of sinless perfection. It speaks of being free from guile. It speaks of being a Christian uh, that is someone with true character and innocence of character. And it says here that ye may be blameless, notice also, and harmless as the Son of God. Speaking here of a sincere testimony, the character of a child of God should be above legitimate blame or criticism or censure. The Bible speaks of it in Philippians 1.10. It says that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. So if God is working in me, and it says, for it is God that will put the will within you and will work through you, then God will work outwardly in the way that I speak and in the way that I live. Spurgeon said, in proportion as a church is holy, in that proportion will its testimony for Christ be powerful. So God calls us to be blameless as his children. But not only should we have a clean life, God further in this verse teaches us to have a clear light. Now notice that in verse 15. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Now, I want you to notice the, the definition of, of the nation. It says, a crooked and perverse nation. He says, in the midst of this place that you live, and the Philippians uh, were surrounded by paganism. They were surrounded by wickedness. And the term crooked is an interesting word. It's the Greek word scolios, which means bent or curved. Some of you have heard of people with scoliosis. And here, uh, the Bible speaks of their nation as bent and curved morally. And in the midst of that environment, God says, I want my people to be straight. I want my people to have a testimony that is right. Uh, I want them to have a spine that stands straight on the right issues. So he says that in the midst of a crooked, and then secondly, a perverse nation, uh, a corrupt nation, that we as Christians in this environment would shine for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, folks, we don't have to turn the news on for more than five minutes to realize we live in a crooked and perverse nation. We live in a nation so filled with sin and uh, legalizing drugs and legalizing various forms of immorality at the highest court level. And, and yet God says, in the midst of all this crookedness, I want my people, those that I'm working in, I want your vocabulary to be different. I want your life to be distinct. I want you to shine in this nation. Notice verse 15. Among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Let's say that together. Among whom ye shine. Okay. Now, uh, we all work in different places. We all will be in different places tomorrow. But God says wherever you are in this crooked and perverse nation, I want you to shine your light there. I'm sending you there to be my missionary. I'm sending you there to be my witness. I'm sending you there so that you can shine forth the truth. And I love what Bobby Robertson, that wonderful pastor friend in North Carolina said once. He said, I don't have to keep the light shining. I just have to keep the bulb clean. Isn't that true? Jesus is the light. 
But if I'll keep a blameless testimony, if I'll keep a life that is right, then others will see Jesus Christ through me. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 14, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle nor put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, no matter where we are this week, God says in the midst of this crooked and perverse nation, I want you to be a witness for me. You are to be blameless and harmless and shining as lights in the world. Let us take every opportunity to spread the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see the work of the believer, and that is a personal inner work of God. He'll give you the will and the enablement to do his work. And then we see the witness of the believer that we would shine as lights in this world. But notice finally, this morning, the word of the believer. The word of the believer. Now notice this, verse 16. Holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain neither labored in vain. Holding forth the word of life. All right, let's say that together. Ready, begin. Holding forth the word of life. Now here we see the culmination of the new life in me and in you. Not only that Jesus has worked in me, not only that my testimony has changed, blameless and harmless, but now that I am speaking the word of the new life to others, that I am telling others how they might know what the new life is all about. Notice, first of all, our responsibility, holding forth the word of life. This simply means to stretch it out so that others might see. Like Lady Liberty in New York's harbor, holding that torch, holding forth the light of liberty. God says, I want my people to hold forth the light of liberty so that others can find safe harbor, so that others can know what salvation is, so that others can know who Jesus Christ is. There was once a very distinguished lawyer that had a case that he knew was very easily understood and very easily won. And in this particular open and shut case, when it was time to present the case, he told the jurors that were seated before him, he said, the evidence is so distinguished. It is so much in favor of my client. He said, it's so obvious that instead of presenting all of the evidence, I'm just going to let you go straight to your deliberation. It's so obvious that my client is not guilty. Well, a few minutes later, the jury came back with a verdict of guilty. And the lawyer asked the question, how could you have reached such a verdict? And the foreman agreed, and he said, sir, he said, we agree uh, that if anything could be said for your case, you would say it. But since you did not present any evidence for your case, we decided to rule against you. His silence in not speaking his case lost the case for him. In other words, he said, I've got the case made. It's obvious. I'm not going to say anything about it. They came back and ruled guilty. Listen, some of us would say, it's obvious Jesus was the virgin-born Son of God. He lived a perfectly sinless life. He died on the cross of Calvary. He rose up again. I mean, it ought to be obvious, so obvious that the whole world would just flock to Jesus Christ. And yet, today, there is a need that we would present the case to a lost and dying world. 
that we would hold forth the word of life, that we would tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our responsibility. The Bible is very clear that our testimony is important, but the word is so important. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. All of this is packed with the word of God so that others might hear the word of life. That's our responsibility. That's what it says, holding forth the word of life. But then notice finally our reward. See, God says there's a reward for this. And he often gives us incentives in Scripture. But look at this one, verse 16. Paul said, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Now, God says, for those of you that let me work through you, you're working out your salvation, you're holding forth the word of life. He said, there's going to be a reward. And the reward for the Apostle Paul was that he could rejoice in the day of Christ. The day when he sees the Lord Jesus Christ, he will rejoice in that day, the day that he stands before the Lord, because he was faithful in his testimony. He was faithful that he did not receive the gospel in vain. The Bible says in Philippians 3.14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day. And not to me only, but to all those that love his appearance. You see, Paul said, I'm pressing on the upward way. I'm looking forward to the reward I'll have when I see the Lord Jesus Christ. And friend, may I remind you today, as you witness for the Lord, as you live for the Lord, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. One day we'll stand before him, and one day, for all those who love his appearing, the Lord, the righteous judge, will give us that encouragement. He will give us that crown of righteousness. And so Paul says his reward was rejoicing in the presence of Christ. Look at sometimes there may be sorrow here on this earth, but when we see Christ, it will be worth it all. It will be worth it all when we see Christ. Rejoicing in the presence of Christ. And then notice finally rejoicing with the people of Christ. With the people of Christ. In your notes, I want you to see of 1 Thessalonians 2.19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Let's say that last phrase together. For ye are our glory and joy. You know, when a church sees people saved and when we bring folks to Christ, it's the greatest joy of all on this earth to see people coming to the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And this is what he says in verse 16, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Wouldn't it be tragic for someone to spend their whole life laboring in vain, laboring for a career, laboring for possessions, but never laboring for Jesus Christ? To labor for everything other than Jesus Christ is to labor in vain. The work of the believer is to obediently come under the Lord Jesus Christ and let him work through us. The witness of the believer is evidence when my language is different and my lifestyle is different. And then the word of the believer. Now that God is working in me and now that my life is changing, I want to hold forth the word of life so that others may know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. I trust 
that you will say today, it's not enough just to have the new life myself, but I want others to see Christ through me. I want others to know Christ through me, that they might also one day stand with the Lord in heaven and say, it was worth it all to trust Christ as Savior. You've been listening to Daily in the Word with Dr. Paul Chappell, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. If you're interested in watching Pastor Chappell preach live during a Lancaster Baptist Church service, you can now log on to lbclive.tv Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. Visit lancasterbaptist.org for a list of times and other services. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Dr. Chappell serves as a pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church, and he is the author of many books. But most of all, he has a passion and love for you. If you've been helped through Dr. Chappell's ministry, he'd love to hear your story. Visit us on our website today, where you can listen to today's entire message, become a partner in the Word, and sign up for Pastor Chappell's Daily in the Word email devotional. Visit us at paulchapel.com. And thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to discover God's answers for today's challenges here on Daily in the Word.